It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling. But when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine French-Cully, Editor-in-Chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hilary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us. Dear Highlights, my mom and dad have been separated for about a month. I have two cats. I get keys for a lot. Highlights. So Hillary, our guest today is Aaron Wilkie-O, Content Director for Common Sense Media, one of the leading sources of entertainment and technology recommendations for kids and families. We had a thoughtful conversation, you'll remember, with Aaron in season two about kids and cell phones, and it's great to have her back. This time, we're talking with Aaron about their recent research about kids' increased digital media use during the pandemic. And also, and especially, we're talking about their digital media use now, as we are all finding our footing again and moving toward what some are calling a new normal. This is probably a good time for families to think about, recalibrate, or adjust some of the household rules about screen time. I know you've been having some conversations like this in your home. Yes, and we know that all screen time is not created equal. And wouldn't it be easy if the conversation was just to say this many hours a day and that was the end of it? We know that the conversations happening in people's homes now are so much more nuanced than that because the things that kids are doing on screens vary widely. And some of them are really nutritious parts of their media diet, and some of them are more junk food parts of their media diet. And what I hope folks will take out of today is a lot more understanding and nuance about how to think about all the different categories when we're renegotiating these things with our with our own, uh, with our kids and families. Mm-hmm. And you know, truthfully, kids themselves often know when they may be overdoing it when they may be consuming media junk food, too much of it, uh, or just be spending too much time with eyes on a screen, they seem to know. And sometimes they write to us at Highlights and ask us for help. And here's two emails we received recently from Highlights readers. Dear Highlights, I'm trying my best to limit my time on electronics. My mom says one hour a day, I am having trouble timing myself. Any tips? And then another reader wrote, Dear Highlights, I am so addicted to Roblox. I fall behind on my studies and my test grades are not as good as they used to be. How can I fix this? So I think we all know that very similar conversations to the ones these two kids are having at home are surely happening in families all across the country. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's get to it. Erin, thanks for joining us again. We're big fans of Common Sense Media, and we're always happy to have you share some of your common sense thinking with us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. 
When the world was practicing social distancing, the time kids spent with digital media picked up. Let's begin by having you tell us more about what your recent report found on how much additional screen time kids are reporting compared to recent history. Sure. So it's true that we did see an increase in media and tech use by children ages 8 to 18 um, in the last two years over the pandemic, and that that rate increased more than the four years prior to the pandemic. So it did accelerate and continued to increase. What we saw was that um, predominantly they are watching videos and that is the biggest um, use of their screen time. They also report they enjoy that. So there was a lot more video watching and a lot of enjoyment of watching videos. At the same time, we saw an increase in use of social media, though they didn't report loving that as much. And um, there was sort of mixed feelings about how much they enjoyed social media. Um, Only a third, about a third of teens say that they liked using it. Um, So that was an interesting finding. And we saw that um, younger children, so the eight to 12 age range, Um, also using more social media than in the past. And um, those social media sites technically are not for kids of that age. So that was an an interesting data point as well. Is it fair to see all of this as a response to the pandemic? Or did the pandemic simply accelerate trends that we were already seeing in kids' media use? Mm -hmm. I think I think it these trends were already happening. We were seeing increases every time we run these studies, we've seen increases. However, we do suspect that the pandemic accelerated this. I mean, as we know, we became reliant on our devices for connecting to family and friends, for learning. Um, and I think many families, would report that they the timeline for um, a, uh, their the timeline for their children adopting new uh, practices was a bit accelerated. As we see, um, younger kids were starting social media perhaps earlier than they would have otherwise. We see some of them starting interactive gaming perhaps earlier than they would have otherwise. Um, So I I see that it's uh, related, I would say related to the pandemic. My observation among parents and certainly in my own house is that even for homes that had really thought a lot about what kind of digital access we might give, at least at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a feeling that this is an emergency and that changes all your rules. Um, So I think that one of the difficulties Uh, that we'll be talking about today is how do you reestablish relation rules that you may have let go of in your household if that's what you decide you want to do? Um, And I think it's a little bit trickier than uh, enforcing rules that you've maintained the whole time. Right, right. 
Are there some population of kids who are consuming screen time at a greater rate than others? Yes. So our study, we did break down um, the data in terms of demographics, um, including race. And we did find that Black and Hispanic or Latino youth are using more screen media than white youth. Um, For example, a difference of about two hours a day between Black and white teens and two and a half hours a day between Hispanic or Latino and white teens. We also found that boys are using more screen media than girls, one hour, 16 minutes a day more on average among um, the 8 to 12 age group and an hour and 14 minutes more among teens. And finally, we also found that lower income households engage with substantially more screen time than their peers from higher income households. Well, you touched on this at the beginning. Um, It is true that additional screen time was really helpful to many kids during the pandemic, helpful to parents who found themselves um, at home with kids who were quickly blowing through the the work they could give them at the kitchen table in the kitchen classroom. Um, But it was also helpful to kids because it helped them stay connected with their friends. Um, So there, you know, there were some upsides to it for sure, but it may have also hurt them in some ways. Um, Can you help us understand that? Yes. Well, we did some research on how teens uh, specifically were using technology during the pandemic to um, navigate their own feelings and emotional well-being, their mental health. Um, And we found that they were using technology to connect with others, to find support, to um, really have those connections that they weren't able to have in person at the time. At the same time, um, our research, as well as many other studies you may have seen lately, touch upon the negative effects that um, social media can have on kids' well-being, on their sense of self, on their self-esteem. And so it's you know, there are, there are pluses and minuses, so it's, it's, a complicated, it's a complicated conversation. Well, now that we are all adjusting to a different normal, how should parents and grandparents be thinking about setting rules for kids' media use? Um, it, this might be a good time to hit the reset button, right? Really... Anytime we have a change in routines is a good time to reassess. So whether that's the end of the school year, the beginning of the school year, um, or in this case, you know, our needs around using technology have changed. Um, it's great to have these conversations and start to think about you know, what is the right balance for my family, for my children. Um, So in terms of setting new rules, three things that I would emphasize with parents and caregivers in terms of how to think about this is the first, that balance still matters. Um, Thinking about, you know, a typical week, what are the different activities that we want to make sure our children are engaging in that feel healthy, that support their development, their learning, 
Um, and, and then think about how their time with devices and screens fits into that. So, you know, giving sort of a, a healthy meal plan, right? What is the big picture? And then you can start to come up with some guidelines for when, where, how we're using those screens. A second point is to remember that not all time with screens is the same. It's not all equal. It's there's a big difference between mindlessly scrolling through you know, posts and interacting or uh, problem solving or video chatting with a friend or creating digital music. So keeping that in mind and not um, lumping all device use into sort of uh, junk food for the brain, right? There's a lot of positive, healthy things that can happen um, using devices. And then the last thing I would emphasize is that good content is key. Um, so really thinking about, depending on the age of your kids, either how you can choose that content, that high quality, um, engaging experience, um, or help your older kids in choosing content that makes them feel good and, and that they can use to be positive and productive and creative. Yeah, I can see where uh, allowing older children to have a say in some of the choices uh, would really make the, the new rule uh, setting and following much easier for everybody. Are there any other ways that you could suggest uh, that parents could involve kids in this recalibration? Sure, yes. So with the littlest kids, of course, you're really the one who's making those decisions. Um, but it's always nice for them to feel like they have some choice and some say over their own lives. And so finding ways to give them options that are within you know, options that you're comfortable with, right? Whether it's, you know, we'll have some show time now. Is it two short shows or one longer show? Or, you know, ways to help them feel like they have some say. For your older kids in elementary or middle school, it's great to start talking to them really about what it means to be balanced. And, um, you know, again, thinking about all of the activities that they might engage in and, and helping them think through what's, what's healthy um, and giving them a little more of a chance to help set those family rules. For teens, you start to not quite have the control of what they're doing on their devices. You can't, it depends if you're, um, depends on how much um, you're using um, parental controls, but it's really important with teens that you have conversations with them. So trying to approach them in a non-judgmental way, thinking about um, how you can just start to engage them and understand what they're doing online, um, showing them that you're really interested and that you, know, you want to learn. What Show me, how do you use TikTok? What, what is that? What are you doing with it? And you know, sometimes they're really excited to share. And then helping them start to reflect on how their use of social media, of devices, makes them feel. Um, really reflecting, like, you know, do you ever feel uncomfortable when you're 
scrolling through Instagram? Do you ever see anything that is upsetting? And helping them think through what to do. And what are some ways that they can respond in those moments, whether that's taking some time off, turning things off, making sure they know how to block people, how to report people, and keep themselves safe and take care of themselves when they're in these digital spaces. The things that Common Sense is so good at sharing resources with us about, you know, media literacy, um, I think also understanding what you're talking about, which is how our media use makes us feel, which I'm not sure I would describe as media literacy, but it's another type of skill around how you use media. You know, we know that those skill sets are going to be so important for this generation. What are tools that can help parents who are in the position sometimes of feeling like their kids know more than they do about mm -hmm. some emerging technology and they don't feel confident in sharing with them some of those literacy skills or navigation skills about how to use something that they're not even familiar with yet themselves. Right. Yes, a lot of us are in that position. I think, I mean, what's one way that um, I would approach it is, you know, again, these conversations with kids, they love to teach us. They love to be in that position of showing us what they know. And even if it's some app that you're you're questioning, get in there, ask them, how, how do you do this? What's fun? What do you like about this? And then as you're learning more from them about it, you have that opportunity to then start to get them thinking critically about what's happening there. And, and like, oh, and can you talk to people you don't know? How, how do you know who they are? And, and then you start to understand what they're seeing and you can start to sort of guide them toward safer um, practices, healthier practices in using these tools. Yeah, I think I hear in what you're saying, you know, there's sort of three areas for kids. There's are, is what they're doing. Um, what is the privacy situation around what they're doing online? And is it safe? And are you exposing them to any like literal and physical risk, right? Mm -hmm. There's also sort of the category of are they relating whatever they're doing in the screen? Is it making them feel good? Is it adding to their life? And I think many of us who are adults probably still also struggle with whether we're making the best choices around things with our phones <laughs> that make us feel good or not good. You know, adults mm -hmm. probably doom scroll as much as kids do, but those are good conversations <laughs> to be having with them. Um, the other one that I have been thinking about a lot is sort of the quality of the information and the media that they're consuming and how do we equip kids to understand more about is the thing that they are looking at trustworthy? That's huge and that's so important. Yes, I mean, we would call that media literacy in, you know, in education and that's something that schools and parents need to be thinking about. Um, I think inspiring, you know, encouraging kids to question is really important, to think critically and ask questions, modeling that as much as possible. Um, when they tell you they see, saw a story online asking questions, who wrote that? Why did they write that? Understanding the intention. Um, with my little kids, I do this a lot in terms of advertising. 
because they're still just figuring out what advertising is and why and, and what the purpose of it is. And so if they point to an ad, I'm asking, well, why do you think they made this? What are they trying to tell us? Are they trying to convince us of something? Are they trying to get us to buy something? So taking those moments, just daily moments, to uh, help practice those critical thinking skills is a great start. So Erin, one thing I'm conscious of always when we're having these conversations is, you know, humans have a tendency towards negativity bias, and there is genuinely a lot to worry about when we think about kids and screens, and we're always trying to think and talk about that. But I also know the screens in my house, there are wonderful things that they are bringing my kids. Um, The chance for my daughter to connect with her cousin who just moved to Vermont, but they can still sit together at night and draw pictures together or the opportunity for my son who uh, has learning differences and communicates differently to find alternative ways to express himself. And these are just wonderful things they bring to their lives. Uh, I wanted to ask too, what are some of the things as someone who's a researcher in this space and looking at what kids are doing with technology, what is some of the stuff that you find really cool and exciting that kids are doing with technology? For sure. I mean, All of the things that you mentioned are really top of mind. Um, Another area that I find really inspiring is the way that kids are using technology to change the world, to make a difference. They're um, engaging in conversations, in difficult conversations, about topics like climate change, like racism. They're inspiring people all over the world to take action online as well as in face-to-face situations. So it's very exciting and I think there's a lot more um, to explore in that area and a lot more to come uh, from young people. Well, Erin, this has all been really helpful. Um, Moving away from the focus on um, conversations that can happen in households, and zooming out to the larger world. You know, in an ideal world, uh, a world in which we would all behave as though we truly believe that children are the world's most important people, what would parents be advocating for? What would they want or expect from our institutions that would help kids navigate their digital lives? I love that question. I would first look to schools Schools really need to be teaching what we call digital citizenship. These are the skills that kids really need to learn in order to uh, face the dilemmas that they experience when they're using technology. Whether that's, you know, is this true or false, this information I'm seeing, or how do I respond when I see hateful, um, hateful speech online, and to help them make healthy choices when they're in those spaces. Schools can incorporate these kinds of lessons across all academic areas. They can pull them out as unique um, areas of study, but it really, in order for kids to learn this holistically, it needs to happen at school and at home. So that's the first place I would go. Secondly, The tech companies themselves are not doing enough to protect kids from the damaging effects 
of misinformation, disinformation, hate speech, body shaming, privacy violations. We need to continue to advocate for legislation so that the right safeguards are in place to create safe online experiences for kids. Well, we're big believers in parents uh, who find their voices and use them. Amazing things can happen when um, parents advocate for their kids. So thank you for those reminders. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, keep doing the good work you do. Same to you. You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.